0: We'll Welcome to The Great Exchange, a podcast about examining the lies we believe and exchanging them for God's truth. I'm your host, Brady Cohn. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad you're all here. It's been a couple weeks. I've taken a couple of weeks off as my wife and I welcomed a new little baby boy into our family. Ramsey Wilder was born on May 18th and has been such a blessing and uh, so excited about what God's doing in our family. But I took a little bit of time off so I could chase the crazy toddler and help at home and enjoy all. The little baby snuggles. But it's great to be back at it. Uh, today we're going to talk about should pastors talk about homosexuality and other sexuality issues from the pulpit. I always get some mixed responses on this. so I want to dissect why I believe that these are issues that should be talked about from the pulpit. And I have many pastors say things like, well, I don't want to talk about from the pulpit because I'd rather handled relationally or within relationships or within small groups or within discipleship and not be too divisive from the pulpit. I want to personally minister to people. And I can respect those reasons, but I want to talk today about why I believe it should be addressed from the pulpit. The first reason why I think that pastors should talk about homosexuality from the pulpit is because it's in the Bible. So it's in the Bible, so we should talk about it in church. That's the place where we talk about everything in the Bible from, from cover to cover. And I, I think it's easy to um, just skip over some of those topics because we're afraid of how people will respond. One of the very first churches I spoke at, Uh, over 10 years ago now, and shared my story, caused a big stir in the church, and some people actually ended up leaving, and some people said, oh, this type of thing shouldn't be talked about in a church, and I'm glad that the pastor stood up for me and said, well, it's in the Bible, so we're going to talk about it in church because we want to give people the full counsel of God. We want them to uh, have the full counsel of God to uh, impact their own life and the lives around them. Secondly, we should talk about these issues from the pulpit because it affects every person in the room. You know, When I started in Calibrate Ministries 10 years ago and started speaking about these issues, I said that pastors should talk about these issues because at some point it's going to affect a family in your church. Well, we are... Well past that, to where it's affecting everyone in the church in some way. It's affecting families in every church, and every person sitting in the pews is trying to navigate these issues in some way. They're trying to navigate uh, how to minister to family members. They're trying to navigate sexuality issues in their own life. They're trying to navigate the public school system and culture, and you know all the things happening with Target and Bud Light and all those things. We're trying to navigate such a difficult. that we need to uh, we need to have an understanding of it. And so we're long past the point of maybe it might affect someone at some point in your church and we're at the point where it affects every single person in your church. Lastly is this, we need to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That That's what uh, God's work does is it equips the saints. And Paul tells us that in Ephesians that we need to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And right now, if you're ministering in any context, whether it's to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, or your family, you can't avoid these issues of sexuality because everyone is affected by them and trying to navigate it. And so, if we're going to um, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, we have to equip them around the issues that people are dealing with. And I, I, I want to point out that, yes, the Apostle Paul did, uh, in, in writing scripture, he did address the issues of the day. He addressed the issues in the culture that they were dealing with in that moment. And so I think it's important for us to do so. Do we need to be responsive and talk about every you know news item that comes across, our news every day from the pulpit, and every week address every little thing that happened in our culture? No, obviously not. But when there's when we're in a cultural moment where our entire culture and Christianity is struggling around one specific issue, we need to make sure that every person sitting in our pews is equipped for that work. I I see many times, like I said, these pastors who um, say that they, they don't want to talk about homosexuality from the pulpit because they want to handle it in relationships. So let me tell you why I don't think that that's a very good idea, because when I see churches that do that, usually if it's not handled from the pulpit, then it's not also brought up in relationships. Because what ends up happening is people who are sitting in the pews, they don't ever feel like it's something that they can talk about. If it's not talked about from the pulpit, from the pastor, then it's not something that comes up in relationships. And so you never know that this person in your congregation is struggling because they never bring it up. They never talk about it in their small group because the church has not been a place where it was okay to talk about it. And so the fact that um, it's not talked about actually keeps people from handling those issues and disclosing those issues within relationships in the church. And so uh, we have to make sure that we are building a culture on which we can uh, celebrate people dealing with their sin, that it's okay to struggle with anything. And we just acknowledge reality that Families are struggling, people are struggling, and this is one of the things that they are struggling with, wrestling with, one of the sin issues that sometimes is ripping churches apart, ripping families apart, Uh, parents are having to navigate it. And so uh, when it's not talked about from the pulpit, then it's not going to be addressed in people's individual lives. But I don't want us just to talk about homosexuality for the sake of talking about homosexuality. I want us to do it well. So I want to share three ways that we can talk about homosexuality well. First is this, we need to avoid making it us versus them. Many times I've heard sexuality issues talk about from the standpoint of it's the world out there and how do we respond to the world But it shouldn't be this us versus them. Our response starts in here, inside the church. It starts here within the body of Christ because we've all twisted sexuality in some way. We all need redemption. We all need Christ to untwist what our hearts have twisted. We all need discipleship. We all need to turn to Jesus instead of finding our hope and our wholeness and our value through another person like we tend to do when we twist sexuality. And so our response starts in here uh, for one because We've all twisted sexuality, and secondly, it's because people inside our church are personally affected. When we talk about these issues from the standpoint of uh, us versus them, of how do we respond to just the world out there, then the person sitting in the pews does not feel the freedom to be able to bring up their own personal struggles because it's not talked about in a way that assumes that uh, that you know they are might be struggling. And so we need to talk about it in a way that assumes that people uh, in the congregation are personally affected, and we have to make sure that everything we say to them gives grace to those who hear, like Paul says in Ephesians 4.29. Secondly, we need to avoid adding levels of shame. Many times we do that in how we talk about sexual sin by building this culture of kind of secrecy and shame on if you want to get help for that, we have this secret place to do it. And all that does is... Uh, make people think that my sin is so much worse than everyone else's. And my sin is so bad that no one can know about it, that maybe there's some help, but I have to keep it a secret because I can't even disclose that I'm struggling with that. Let me give you a couple of examples of how I've seen that play out. There was a church a while back that I was doing some consulting work for, helped them figure out how they could better minister to the LGBTQ community. And this was a really big church uh, relative to the region, and they had a big influence, a big attendance, and they would long had a heart for people who were struggling. And they had a ministry for parents whose kids were struggling with LGBTQ issues. And I love that. I, it came with a great heart. I have no doubt that they were changing some of these parents' lives. But the ministry was kept secret It was kept secret, like members of the church didn't even know about it, and parents were invited by invite only Uh, once someone found, one of the leaders found out that one of their kids was struggling. And so the whole thing was secretive. And what that had done was add layers of shame to the conversation, because the church had done that because they wanted to protect the privacy, and they wanted to make it a safe place, and I can respect that. But when we made this one sin issue into something that can only be dealt with secretly, even from a parent's standpoint, it was, oh, my child's sin is so bad that the church can't even talk about it. I can only talk about it in this secret place. And and it really had done some harm in the culture of the church because it wasn't talked about from the pulpit. It wasn't talked about in relationships. It was this secret thing. And uh, so we need to avoid adding those levels of shame onto the conversation. And it should be normal to talk about it should be normal to that people understand that, oh, this is just one of the things that people struggle with. And and we want to celebrate that they're getting help for that. There was a previous church that was at where we were starting a ministry uh, for people to overcome sexual addiction. And I love that we're starting this ministry. Uh, this ministry has made a huge impact on people and it's great. But I remember one of the comments from one of the pastors as we're starting this ministry, he said, maybe we should find a building uh, other than our church to host it at, because uh, no one's going to want to show up to a ministry to deal with sexual addiction um, if someone might be able to guess that that's what they're showing up to. So if we had a different building, then people wouldn't have to go through that. They'd be more willing to show up. And I, I understand his great intentions behind that. But the problem I had with that was if people in our church feel so much shame showing up to this ministry, and they they think that if someone else in the church sees that I'm showing up to this meeting, then I might not even go to it because I don't want anyone to know, then we need to change that culture. We need to change that culture so that we celebrate people, uh, showing up to a ministry to get help for their sin. We need to celebrate that they're taking steps of repentance and finding hope in Jesus. And so if the culture is, well, there's so much shame built around these issues that we can't even host a meeting in our church building, then let's change that. Let's start talking about it. Let's celebrate repentance, celebrate people who are taking steps to find freedom and take away those levels of shame. The third way that I think that we can better talk about these issues is we have to be careful to not make heterosexuality the goal. And I talk about this a lot in churches because many times I felt like the goal that people had for people like me, the LGBTQ community or someone dealing with same-sex traction, living the homosexual life, the goal that the church had for people like me was to convince us to go from gay to straight. Like That's what they wanted, right? But I always share that the transformation that happened in my life was not from gay to straight. The transformation that happened in my life was from lost to saved. And that transformation is so much more remarkable than any type of just external behavior change. God stepped into my soul and he rescued me for eternity. And that is so much more remarkable than just changing the way that I was living. And it was out of that internal transformation of my eternal destination that then I did start to change how I was living. But it was to be holy, not just to be heterosexual. I I think we need to be careful about making heterosexuality the goal, because I always joked that, uh, you know, it seemed like the the cure to homosexuality was supposed to be heterosexuality, but then I walk into a Christian bookstore and there's a whole aisle on how to fix your marriage because everyone's heterosexuality is a mess too. And so what I realized so many times in ministry was that the idols behind my same-sex attraction many times were the same idols behind other people's uh, heterosexual attraction. This idolatry of people, this idolatry of looking to other people to find their hope and their value and their wholeness instead of looking to Christ— and so my life really started to change when I discovered that the opposite of homosexuality isn't heterosexuality, it's wholeness. It's wholeness with Christ. And, and it's through that wholeness that Christ changes us from the inside out. And the result of that might be heterosexuality uh, that, that is centered on the gospel, like I've experienced in my life with, with my marriage now. But that should never be the goal for someone. The goal for someone should be wholeness. And when we make that the goal, then it really unifies the church. It unifies the church because we're all in this together, whether you're gay or you're straight or sex extracted or struggling with, with gender identity issues. We're all in this together because we all need the saving grace of Jesus. We all need repentance. We all need to find our wholeness and our hope in Christ instead of the world. And we can all move towards the gospel of Jesus together. And when we talk about this in the church, and when we talk about it from the pulpit, and when the the pastor really shepherds the congregation and what it looks like to have biblical sexuality, then naturally those conversations will start happening in small groups and in discipleship relationships. And as people are connecting inside the church and people in the church will start uh, disclosing what's going on in their life, they'll start confessing, they'll start uh, finding help. And that's when we can really apply the gospel to their life, and they'll see a lasting hope that can only come from Jesus. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us on The Great Exchange. I know this was kind of a short episode, but I felt like this was important, and it's something that we need some perspective on as we lead our churches and are a part of our church. So I'd love for you to share this with your friends, share this with your pastors, find us on social media, uh, find us on all the, the podcasting apps. Make sure you go to calibrateministries.com for more ministry resources. And if you've been encouraged by this ministry, I would love for you to f- support us financially. We rely on donors like you to be able to do what we do. So we would appreciate the support. You can do that at calibratedministries.com. So thank you for joining us on this episode. We pray that as throughout your week, you can examine the lies you've believed and exchange them for God's truth. Thank you.